And 2 Samuel chapter 5 is a familiar, popular story. And hopefully we can get something out of it tonight that will encourage us. Beginning in verse 17. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, and all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. That word Rephaim simply means the valley of giants. Okay. And David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go? Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there and said, the Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they, and there they left their images and David and his men burned them. Verse 22, and the Philistines came up yet again. Man, he just got through whipping the fire out of them. And here they are again. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Here they are again. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. Okay, we're going to finish there. Uh, and talk to you tonight just simply about this. And, I, and I'm interested in when it says, and the Philistines came up yet again. Again. David in this passage of scripture is finally in the position that God intended for him to be. Second, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you all know the story. He, he was anointed to be the king of Israel and the king of God's children. And we know that Saul was on the throne at that time, but David was the anointed king. And so in, in chapter two of 2 Samuel, he was put over the kingdom of Judah. And now here in chapter five, he's finally put over the kingdom of Israel. And so we notice that he is finally in the, the center of God's will. And once he is exactly where God wants him to be, that's when the enemy shows up. I want to tell you this right at the very beginning. The devil don't like it when you're in the middle of God's will. He don't like it. And see, we, we tell you all the time, Brian, why are you preaching messages like this right now? I'm telling you because what, what is happening around here is the will of God. <laughs> because it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And aren't you thankful we're seeing people saved? I'm telling you, I'm so thrilled. Every day I just think, Lord, who are you gonna save today? 
What, what, what report am I going to get today from Jetson telling about all these young people being saved? I mean, it, it's miraculous to see what God is doing, but the devil hates it. And as soon as we get in the center of God's will, the enemy's going to show up. And that's exactly what he did with David. He's in this place where, the, where God has ordained him to be and anointed him to be. And, and really, I find it interesting that the Philistines weren't necessarily upset when he was over Judah. But when he got to be appointed over Israel, then that's when they got mad. And if you research a little bit, you'll find out that he was getting into their business because they had control over a little bit of Israel. And so now that David, their, their enemy, is starting to get into their business, then that's when they show up, and that's when they get mad, and that's when they declare war. Hey, listen, the devil, he'll leave you alone as long as you don't bother him. But when you start getting into his territory, then he's going to show up. And, the, and his brothers and sisters are going to show up. Somebody say amen right there. And so the enemy's going to show up whenever you start getting into the enemy's business. He'll leave you alone as long as you don't get in his stuff. But once you start messing with him, he ain't going to go down without a fight. And that's exactly what the Philistines did. They, they, they started to come up against David. And listen, think about this. Have you ever thought about this the, the, the Philistines were in David's past he'd already defeated their their giant he'd already had victories over them but here the past gets into his present one more time and haven't you ever noticed that when you start doing something for God, whenever you start living a life of victory, whenever you think that you've got victory over the things you've done in your past, it seems like the past starts rearing its ugly head again and saying, uh, listen, look what you did. You can't be, for, you don't have victory over it. Listen, I want to go on record and tell you one more time, the devil is a liar. Once it's been forgiven, it's been forgotten. And don't let the devil bring up your past when God has already defeated it in Jesus' name. But here the past comes up again. And here they bringing up, a, starting this fight against David. Now, now what, I, what I think is, is funny is, David's, this isn't the same David in 1 Samuel 16. This is a different David. This David's on the throne. He's not in a shepherd's field. This David is, is a king now. This David has an army. This David has artillery. The David in 1 Samuel 13, then the David in 1 Samuel 16, and the David in 1 Samuel 17, he had a slingshot. But now he's got an army. Now he's got an artillery. And what I don't understand is the devil is stupid. Because David defeated the Philistines with a slingshot. And now he's got an army. Now he's a king. Now he's got a nation back at, uh, backing him up. And here the enemy comes again, wants to fight him. I don't understand the devil. Hey, listen, he thinks he can come at us and he thinks he's got us whipped, but it ain't a fair fight if he's coming after us. Why? Because he may think that we're a lone warrior. We're not a lone warrior anymore. Why? Because we have the king of kings that's got our back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, now he's got this army. He's got the artillery. 
The one thing he's lacking is authorization. He's got the power, but he don't have permission. That's my first point. David's got the power, but he don't have permission. Now I'm gonna park it right here just for a little bit. And please I hope you understand where I'm coming from. David had every bit of power at his disposal, but notice what he did in verse 19. David inquired of the Lord. Just because you have power don't mean you have permission to use the power that you have. And I'm talking about the anointing of God. Just because you have the anointing don't mean you have permission to not use it if Jesus says don't use it. Why? Because listen, we've only got so many opportunities that God has given us. And as Cal Ray has said over the years, to fire the gospel gun. And if we, hey, listen, if God says fire, bless God, give it all you got. But if he says withhold, then we better withhold. Listen, that's, that's what wisdom is all about. We've got the power at our disposal. We've got the king of kings backing us up. We've got all power within us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. But if we use that power, wrongfully and out of the will of God we'll bring more harm to ourselves. so David said Lord I've got I've got everything I need to defeat this enemy but I'm going to get your permission first and so he's he's telling us that that prayer is a part of of the tactics of war that we have to inquire after God. We have to seek his will. That brings the second point. God's will should be presumed, excuse me, pursued and not presumed. Just because God did it one way before doesn't mean he's gonna do it the same way now. You notice here in this text that I read to you, the first time David said, Lord, shall I go up and, and, and fight this battle? God said, go ahead. They're, 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 you're going to defeat them. Go ahead and do it. But then the second time when they came up, he said, Lord, do I go this time? And he said, nope, stay back. And so many times we think that God does something special for us and he does it this way, that the next time that same situation comes up, that he's gonna do it the same way he did before. He can, but more than likely he's not because the will of God should never be presumed. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think according to power that worketh in us. But may I remind you, he's not on our schedule, we're on his. We're on his. I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches that struggle because God did something for them a certain way years ago. And they continue to do that certain thing over and over and over again, expecting God to show up and do what he did before. I'm not saying God won't, but if he hasn't done it in 20 years, try something else. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, we should never assume God's gonna do it a certain way. Why? Because once we assume that, then we limit God's power. God will do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. All we gotta do is seek his face and seek his will. Lord, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? 
He had power, but he didn't have permission. God's will should never, should never be presumed, but it should always be pursued. Again, just because he did it one way doesn't mean he's going to do it the same way the next time. You'll never win a battle that God, if God doesn't pick the fight, you're not going to win that battle. But if God says you can fight this one, rest assured you're going to get victory over it. And so the main thing I wanted you to see, David just got done whipping him. I mean, he, he, he thoroughly was victorious. So much that they, they burned their images. And he, he, he made a, a place, he called the place a specific name, Beel Parazim. And he said, listen, from, this is how wonderful this victory is. I'm gonna call it out in time. We're gonna remember for the rest of our life. This is a great battle that came from the hand of God. He gave us permission and we fought the enemy and we won. And I don't know how long it took from verse 21 to verse 22. It could have been the next day. It could have been months, weeks, years. But that's not the point. The point is this. The Philistines came up yet again. So let me, let's ask this question. Why in the world did the enemy come up again? Because David was enemy number one to the Philistines. He was a household name. You realize that? From the time that he was a young, redheaded teenager, he was the enemy of the Philistines. Everything that David, of course, everything that he had achieved in life, Every, the, the, the crown that he received as being king over Judah and over Israel, the position that he's at, it all came from God. He was anointed to be that. But it came at the courtesy of the Philistines. His wife came because he was victorious over the Philistines. He killed their prized possession, Goliath. He was a household name. Because see, when you start defeating the enemy, he won't forget you. He won't forget what the battles that you were victorious over him. And believe me, it may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week. It may be a month or two. It may be a year. But I'm telling you, he's coming back for you. Because you're on his radar. You're on the enemy's most wanted list. And still, the devil's stupid. We never, you know, he's cunning, but we never said he's smart. He's slick. He's deceitful, but he's not too smart. Because listen, folks, again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it one more time. He doesn't like what's going on here. And we're warning you. I'm telling you, get ready. Because he is going to come back. He may be on some of you right now, but eventually he's coming back. And he's going to unleash power, his power on us. But may I remind you one more time, he's fighting a fight that he ain't going to win. Because <laughs> all our God does is win. All he does is win. All he does is win. 
He came at us last time and we defeated him. And guess what? When he comes tomorrow, when he comes next week, he's going down. Hallelujah. But notice this time, the first time, God said, go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm giving you permission. But the second time, he said, no, I want you to wait. I want you to wait. So here's what I want you to do. I, 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 go behind them because they think that God is trapped. So I want you to go behind them and I want you to go over against these mulberry trees. And he said, here's, here's what I want you to do. Because see, sometimes when we ask God to do things for us, he, he gives us the go ahead right away. He says, do it. Go at it. Lord, I, should I take this position? Yep, do it. Perfect peace. Lord, should I go this way in my ministry? Yep, do it. Perfect peace. But then there are other times when we ask for certain things or ask for direction or guidance or his will in our life, and he'll say, ah, hold off a minute. Don't you hate that? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh. I would rather, in the world that we live, we want everything right now and, and we get impatient and I'm the most patient man there is. My wife's laughing up there. I'm patient about some things, but when it comes to wanting to know the will of God, especially in my young years of ministry, I felt God was calling me to do things and I wanted it so bad that I was so eager to jump ahead. I was so eager to receive the things that I knew he had for me. But Donnie'd say, wait a minute. Just go over and stand by that tree. Now think about this. David and his army had to wait while the enemy was watching them. And God said, all I want you to do is look at that tree. Don't watch the enemy, you watch the tree. And you watch that tree and you listen real close because this battle's ours, but we're gonna do it my way. When you hear the sound of a going in the mulberry trees, then that's when you go. Now, I've heard, I've preached it myself, heard hundreds of messages. And of course, people say, well, the, the wind was blowing and that caused the wind, the, the trees to, to shake and that caused them to, you know, the sound of the trees shaking. That might be true. I've actually preached it that way. I went as far as to say those mulberries fell off the tree and smashed on the army and it caused it to be red and when they came out of the mulberry tree, they looked like a bunch of, they were just painted in, in red. I said, the blood of Jesus covered them when they went to battle. And everybody shouted. I don't even know if that was right or not. That's, it sounded good, I thought, when I was doing the mulberries. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I 
I thought it was right for what I studied. <laughs> but, but when I start, when you start diving into this, the word sound of a going is one Hebrew word and it means to march. To march. So, so when you hear the marching in the trees, then that's when you go. When you hear us, the sound in the tops of the mulberry trees. And he says, bestir thyself. That means be determined. For the Lord shall go out before thee. So notice this. He said, David, that first battle, you fought with my power because I gave you permission and you won. This time, you stand right there and watch what I can do. You say, what was the sound? You know what the sound was? That was God's army marching through the tops of the trees and saying, we're gonna take care of this. And the Lord went out before him and smote the Philistines. Listen, that proves to us once more. Sometimes God will let us fight our battles with his power and we're gonna be winners. At other times, he's gonna fight them for us and guess what? We're still gonna win. <laughs> we're still gonna win. And the victory that came, the victory that came. And so not only did he go out before them and smite the Philistines, but then he allowed David to go out and whip him some more. And David did so as the Lord had commanded and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. And so he waited there and he watched the Lord and the Lord and David smote the Philistines and that distance from Geba to Gezer was 17 miles. For 17 miles, they whipped up the enemy and whipped up the Philistines. You say, why did he do that? Because sometimes God will allow his victories to reach far greater than just the battlefield. He'll show the world and those around them that God is able to win and God is able to fight our battles. Listen, folks, you'd be surprised at the victories we can achieve in life if we just let God do what he said he would do and fight our battles for us. But the victory didn't start until the movement started in the trees. Until the sound was heard in the tree. Then that's when victory came. You can fast forward centuries later and there was another battle that was met on a mountain. And God told his people, Stand back, you watch the tree and you watch what I can do. And there was a sound that came from the top of that tree. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Why hast thou forsaken me? That's the sound. Then he said, to Telestai, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, there came a sound from heaven. And that sound wasn't a marching. The sound was thunder. 
the sound was heard of, of the crackling of thunder and the earth began to shake and the ground began to give up the dead. And the Bible says that the veil of the temple that was rent from top to bottom, giving everyone access into the throne of God that had never had access before. And you better be thankful that that door was open because when they looked at that tree and they saw the son of God crying from the top of that tree and they heard the sound from the top of that tree, guess what it gave us? It gave us the victory over the greatest battle in all the world. And that's the battle of sin. I'm thankful tonight. I don't have to fight that battle. He fought it for me and he won. And he gave us eternal victory because three days later they put him in a tomb and hallelujah on the third day he got up and gave us eternal victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that gives me hope tonight, folks, that no matter what I face, I got victory. Why? Because I still hear the sound of the tops of the trees. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. And if you need victory in your soul tonight, we, you still gotta come to the same place. Come and watch the tree. Come and get up by the tree. And I promise you, you will hear the greatest sound you'll ever hear. And that sound is this, Father, forgive them. You can be forgiven tonight.